Okay, so just a few detail-oriented questions. Where are you originally from? Okay, I'll, I'll go in as much detail as you want, and if you want, you can say, oh, it's too much detail, just stop me. Um, so I was raised in uh, e Eastern Canada, which I would call Atlanta, Canada, but also Quebec and Ontario. So as a kid, I was growing up in you know Halifax, um, Montreal, Ottawa, Quebec City. That's up until I was uh, about 17. And then living in Montreal at the time, uh, we moved all the way out to the West Coast. Basically Vancouver and Vancouver Island, British Columbia. Are you bilingual because you lived in Quebec? Yeah. I see there's an easy French step-by-step -step Oh, book. good spotting. <laughs> uh, one hour a day for the last, uh, I'm going to this, for, for two years now, um, I've been online educating one of my grandsons mm -hmm. at the request of my son and daughter-in-law. He's on an online program and they enlisted me without pay um, <laughs> to do French and government. Mm. So we do an hour a day. I've been doing that for, it's two years now and that, that's the text we use. Great. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's a blast. We're having a great time. Yeah. Good, good. Um, so when did you first move to the United States? Uh, well, I'm here, what I think will be part-time. Right. Uh, so I came down here on this project with Kings. Um, I got here in early August, first week in August. I've been here about a month. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, do you have a place in Florida as well, or are you I completely have, based? W we, we have a little condo in Florida. Nice. I have a Florida driver's license. Ooh. Oh, nice. <laughs> okay. And it was scary. I almost didn't pass it, but I, I got it. <laughs> well, that's that's a really nice place to be. Yeah. Here. Yeah. Warmth. Um, so, how long have you known about Kings? Oh. Well, I think just you know, arm's length and awareness of Kings. You know, Kings is known. I've probably known about Kings over a period of years. But getting to know Kings really well was over a year ago I was asked to join the board. So starting to get to know Kings uh, up close and personal, about a year. Before that, anything was just what I saw or read or heard about. Mm -hmm. What attracted you to joining Kings Leadership? Well, as I was joined the board, um, Kings has a formidable reputation was honored to be part of it, asked to be part, and uh, I see some exciting possibilities ahead for Kings in an era where this size of liberal arts Christian college, generally they're going through difficult times. Um, so to be asked to be a part of the way forward was an honor to do that, be part of that. Mm -hmm. um, could you elaborate when you said formidable? What did you mean oh, by a formidable? Way. Has a positive way. Okay. Yeah, formidable uh, can be taken either way. Um, um, Kings has uh, an outstanding reputation for not just uh, on the academic side, but for a solid focus on wanting to see 
Christian worldview being um, taught, represented, and articulated. So that's what I meant by mm. uh, formidable in the positive sense. Sure. Very, very strong reputation for being focused on um, excellence in education that is Christ-centered and has a view for influencing the world in a positive way. Mm -hmm. um, so you mentioned your appointing to the board. Um, how were you like kind of thrust into this position as <laughs> interim president? <laughs> um, so I was asked to join the board. That happened because um, I, I uh, have a uh, consulting company. I've been doing that for about a dozen years since I uh, uh, retired from politics, from government. And uh, one of the companies that I've done work for is Primacore. And um, they also, though, though they run as it strictly as a business, the largest, um, they are the largest Uh, what would you call it? They're the largest post-second. They're the largest institution in Canada, which provides post-secondary education on, in a variety of you know diplomas, uh, vocations, and um, they are non-government. So they are private sector, largest private sector um, provider of post-secondary diplomas and degrees in Canada. They also have operations in the state, so I, um, they're basically they've been one of my clients, and it was through that, and, and in getting to know the people there over the years, in one of our discussions, they said there's an exciting uh, opportunity for King's College to expand their mission, and we can possibly be part of that. Do you want to be on that board? And I went, that sounds exciting. Mm -hmm. So sure. So then it was on the board. Um, at the time, I didn't realize that the existing chair, uh, Tim Dunn, who was great chair, uh, was actually had plans to be leaving. You know, he, boards typically, you know, you give yourself for a number of years and you go. And so, as he was uh, anticipating leaving, he and the rest of the board asked if I would consider becoming chair. And so I said, yes, that'd be an honor. And uh, that then developed into. Um, eventually being asked to take the role as interim president while they, while we find another president. So that's not without precedent, as you know, it's happened before here at King's where the chair went into the interim president and then they did a search and um, that's the cycle we're in right now. Can you talk more about the connection you have with PrimaCore? Was that from when the time that we found out that PrimaCore was going to be involved with Kings, mm. it kind of sounds like it matches up with the timeline of you joining the board. Was there any connection in you bringing or introducing PrimaCore to the Kings College? No, no, they had, um, you know, people that I work with that I provide consulting services for. They keep me up to date on what they're doing here mm. and there. And uh, it was in just in the process of doing, providing consulting and advisory services to them um, that in one of those discussions, they also shared with me, we're doing this. And, you know, that's how I found out. Okay. Okay. Um, so you kind of covered this a little bit, but just to reinforce, what previous experience do you have that makes you suitable to lead 
at least temporarily, mm. a higher ed institution? Mm. Well, when I get um, uh, hired, if I can use that word, or if I have a, when I work for people on a contractual basis, uh, if you look at my website, stockwellday.com, I put all of my bona fides there, and people look and they say, we think this person can be helpful. So partially by virtue of the fact that working in government, um, I was the Minister of Finance for the province of Alberta for a number of years, and then I was um, federally, uh, ran for office federally and got elected, I was leader of the opposition. After that, I was, when we formed government, I was um, Minister of Public Safety, which is the direct equivalent to Homeland Security. So when you look at that and the fact that I was responsible in Canada for our federal policing, uh, all of our borders, and border officers, um, our equivalent of the CIA, which is called CSIS, Canadian Security Intelligence Service, um, our prison system, as I said, our parole system. I was chair of uh, the Cabinet Committee on Afghanistan, so I was internationally involved in a ton of security-related issues, like 24-7, and that introduces you to, you know, I had a number of meetings with, uh, at the time, with uh, President George Bush, with his uh, Minister, or his, uh, Secretary of Homeland Security, who was uh, Michael Chertoff at the time, uh, the U.S. Attorney General, and then correspondingly, same thing in other countries. You know, we have um, countries like Canada, we have alliances with, uh, we have something called the Five Eyes, which is a security uh, alliance with uh, New Zealand, Australia, Canada, Great Britain, um, and the U.S. So you've got a number of these relationships. So you develop, you learn many things and you develop many skills. And uh, the, after that, I was appointed to be our Minister of International Trade in Canada, for Canada. So again, all of a sudden, internationally, you're working on free trade deals, you're working on free trade problems with sometimes one-on-one -on -one with other countries, sometimes with groups. You know, there's the World Trade Organization. Uh, there's, a, there's a whole Asia-Pacific organization. There's a European-Russia um, organization. So you're involved in doing uh, trade deals, um, doing treaties. They told me I was responsible for the signing of uh, more free trade deals than uh, anybody previously in Canada. Um, so you develop, the, first of all, lots of relationships, but you develop certain knowledge and skills because uh, you're working with smart people. I always like to say, if you want to get something done, hire somebody who's smarter than you are. And I always say, that's even easy for me to do. Hire someone smarter than I am. So you develop expertise, and then along with that, uh, you take, you, you have great opportunity to take um, courses and uh, short-term courses even, you know, finance courses at Harvard, um, board governance courses at uh, University of Toronto, uh, finished up an MBA, uh, paid for by, you know, one of my uh, clients. Um, so you just have a great opportunity to acquire a lot of skills and knowledge. And then when you go in the private sector, people look at that, they look at your record and they say, we could use that kind of advice. 
and uh, I make it clear that I, I don't, uh, I'm not a lobbyist, I put that right on my website, uh, I don't divulge past cabinet confidentialities or um, confidentialities that were arrived at with other governments, um, but I, I, I freely will use, if, if it can be positive, I will use what I've learned to help an, either an individual or a company, a profit or a nonprofit, um, navigate some difficult waters. Sometimes I can, I'm able to do that, and that's why people hire me. Sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, so this one is less directly um, about you, but it's a little hazy for students. What is PrimaCore doing for the college, and has the online learning offering service begun? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, so basically, what in other colleges that have done similar things, you know, Grand Canyon University has hugely developed their online. Um, Liberty, Harvard, um, universities are that 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 are looking to the future. Universities now that call themselves modern realize they need, they have to in this time of changing needs, individual needs and company needs, uh, have to develop a highly respected, efficient online arm. And um, PrimaCore offers that skill, offers that ability. And what PrimaCore will be doing, working with Kings in developing an online brand that meets the academic rigor and vision that Kings has, but offering it online. Mm -hmm. And they have the ability to scale, which means that, you know, their projection uh, for five years is to have 6,000 students online on an online Kings program. From that, because they're working with Kings, PrimaCore gets revenue from student fees that, are, that want online uh, or they want a hybrid. And for whatever reason, they, they can't be full-time. Um, so they pay PrimaCore for that. And PrimaCore shares some of that revenue with Kings. So for the first time, first time ever, it allows Kings a revenue stream that is not entirely dependent on fundraising. As you know, in 1994-95, King's College closed down. Mm -hmm. The money dried up. People who had been donors were looking and saying, we, you need another revenue stream. You can't keep existing, always running short every year. And they couldn't find that revenue stream, and they closed the doors. We don't want that to happen again. And this is one way, first of all, of providing a revenue stream for Kings, but also truly making this international. Mm -hmm. So what was once the vision of Bill Bright, which of course is to go, go ye into all the world. Um, and in those days, he never would have dreamt how this could happen as it can with an online program. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's uh, making the dream come alive. Primacore and Kings working together. The culture is the same. Primacore, even as uh, a, a, not a, not a government institution, but as a business, you look on their site, it's changing the world through education. Mm 
Supreme Corps CEO or president uh, is a devout Christian, and he his his record is of spreading education throughout the world, educating people, whether it's providing you know millions of dollars a year in scholarship and in funding different organizations or universities, or directly using business to advance education. So the two, the culture of the two are the same. Prima Corps and Kings are the same culture, but completely different strategies in terms of how you move ahead. Um, Prima Corps and it's, again, it's the CEO, Peter Chung, believes firmly if uh, people are people of faith and they're in business, then they have to be good stewards. And um, that if they're being blessed financially, they're able to then spread that blessing around. So Prima Corps, for instance, in Canada, is a huge philanthropic business, private business, and their record of philanthropy is very significant. They don't like to brag about it, but you know they do get places when they give a you know in the millions to a hospital or something like mm -hmm. that. Then you hear about it. You know it's in the news and things like that. So culturally, the two are the same but how we operate is different. Mm -hmm. So this one's a little bit more difficult, I think, but the understanding among the student body is that the college is failing, at least financially. Um, enrollment is shrinking in person. Student org budgets were majorly cut. Um, so I guess our Sorry, question, which budget were majorly cut? Student organizations. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, how is the college financially laid off? College uh, is on a strong footing, and I'll tell you, I can tell you why. First of all, for, as we know, for the last uh, over five years, one of the major donors to the college was the DeVos family. And they said, just over five years ago, they said, we're going to contribute X number of dollars for five years. What, what you find with donors, and really with Christian donors, who back organizations like this is they they give for a certain term and they tell people up front we're going to give for three years we're going to give for two years we're going to give for five years whatever it be and by then we hope you can make the necessary adjustments that you can survive so that's what DeVos did and they also gave a building they said if you want this for they bought the building it's yours which is pretty phenomenal um, and they also said you know if the end of the time you feel that building has a better purpose. Even if you want to sell it, that's up to you. It's our gift to you. Do with it as you will. So the sale of the building, so here's, here we've got the, are there students already online? Yes, there are. They're already online. They're, they're signing up like daily. But remember, this is a five-year plan to get to a certain level where that revenue sharing with Kings uh, is going to be significant. So how do you keep going for five years? One of the ways you do that, you sell the building. That gives you a fair bit of capital to keep operating. And then we, we have our ongoing fundraising too. So I think, you know, when you look at that capital that will come in for the sale of the building, we, we've just, just about got it signed and done. Uh, that capital plus ongoing fundraising is what will carry Kings, continue to carry Kings forward as the online program continues to grow. We've also got, I was just actually going to, students will probably be the first to hear it tonight. Uh, last year, for instance, 
um, coming into the program, there were 42 people, new, new students signed up. This year, with this new process that we've got operating, because Prima Corps also has certain skills, like on admissions, for instance. They're, they're running colleges all over the country. They operate colleges. They have certain skills. Um, we already have 175 who are who are applied for next year. Last year that was 42, so already it's four times the amount. Is that in person or online? No, that, that's to attend here. Okay. And some of those have come from as as in you two would know. You know, you look around different universities, searching. They saw the online program, the King's Online. Program, they they went, oh, that looks great. And, they looked, and then the more they looked at King's itself, they said, "Online is great. I want to go there." Mm -hmm. So it, it's from both. But this is no, this is signed up for here. So we've seen a jump in applications. Now, as you know, everybody who signs up or applies in September doesn't necessarily wind up here, mm -hmm. um, as it is with most, but. It's four times the amount right now, as we speak right now, than it was last year. So you said 42 people applied last year? There were 42 um, at this point last year. Okay. In, by September, they, we had 42 people saying, I want to come to King's this September. Mm -hmm. This September, we don't have 42 saying, I want to come here. We got 175. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you for okay. clarifying. Yeah. Um, so another one in regards to financing, what upgrades are costing millions of dollars to the campus building? We got the email about um, the millions of dollars of renovations that are planning to happen here in the building. We were just wondering what is that going to look like? That's going to be something that faculty will take input from students. You know, people are going to have different views on that. We uh, also to to make this place more financially viable, we did a lot of negotiation with the landlord in this building. And um, I, let me just say, we had, we had some very good and very tough negotiators. And we drove the price down. Um, we also did a thorough analysis, looked at the needs for the way forward, and saying, you know, we may not, we don't need all the square footage. And so at this point now, we've got the the lease is, is signed, it's a 12-year lease. So faculty, the administration, I think maybe students, in the next few years ahead, because the new agreement kicks in, the new signing agreement actually um, kicks in in two years in terms of a change of space. We've basically got the same space. Um, but we get some of the benefits right now. For instance, of the 12 years, I don't even know if I'm allowed to say this publicly, but we we, we've basically got uh, a year of free rent, for instance. So you can imagine what that does to our budget in mm -hmm. terms of bringing some relief. So when you say, uh, how do you feel about the financial situation going forward, when you look at the funds coming in from sale of divorce, when you look at fundraising that's going on, when you look at reduced rent, when you look at we got a first year free rent, you know, all of these take pressure off. It doesn't mean no institution is ever completely out of the woods, but it all reduces um, so among the other things that you negotiate when you're doing a lease, as you would know, is you, you negotiate for upgrades. You say, okay, well, we're going to pay, be paying, let's say, X dollars per square foot. But then we say to the landlord, well, we want some upgrades too. You know, maybe it's, maybe it's 
So maybe we need some more tech equipment. Maybe we need some more carpets, but we want a certain number. And then now in the in the year or two ahead, we'll work with, with, with our people here and with the landlord and we'll say, okay, here's, here's some of the stuff we want. So we've got a certain X number of million that they're gonna give us. We don't have to pay that, they're, they give us mm -hmm. an upgrade. Mm -hmm. um, in that, as somebody in business um, who, who has been proficient in business endeavors, like why do you think that the enrollment was so low this year? I was not here a year ago, so I, like, remember enrollment this year is up. From last year. Yeah, what, what we're expecting. So last year, why why had it dropped? I, I wasn't here. I, I, I can't speak to that. I do know there are some common factors affecting colleges this size. Well, mm -hmm. affecting all colleges. COVID hit. Right. That's a factor. Um, among um, colleges generally, the good news about online education that's done well is it makes, for a lot of people, it makes education possible that was never possible, right? Maybe they didn't, maybe they didn't do a postgrad degree, or maybe they didn't even get an undergrad because they went into work right away, or they had a family right away. So technology is fantastic that way. So more and more people are choosing, you know, by the millions, even in terms of like going to Harvard, right? If they, the more they can take online and then do some of it at Harvard, the better it is. So there's that too. Mm -hmm. There's uh, less people uh, doing that. Um, I think among the, in the Christian universe, people are looking and seeing, um, I mean, let's, let's just face it, many uh, Christian universities have made a decision not to be as positively focused on the principle on biblical principles let's say they, they'll have it as you know it's something we study it's something we talk about but there's a sense in the Christian universe that different colleges are let's just say not being as emphatic about teaching a Christian worldview they'll, they'll, they'll teach the Bible etc King's reputation is that the vision to have a school you know, with the four C's, but the first C being Christ, that is Christ-centered biblical worldview and not diluting that, um, I believe, as this trend continues to see a number, or to see Christian colleges maybe back away from the intensity of that, Kings will be one of those ones that stands out as saying, no, we're, we're not changing our vision here. We're not changing the mission. But that's been a factor generally, along with um, other factors in why people would be not choosing to go to a, first of all, a college as much, mm -hmm. and now uh, add on to that a Christian college if there's a sense that there's a dilution of true Christian focus. Right. Um, so now I'm just going to ask you a few brief questions about yourself mm -hmm. and your impression of the city. So um, what do you do for fun outside of this job, being NRM president, your own business that you're working on simultaneously? Yeah, great question. Well, um, I'm, I'm a runner. Um, I've qualified three times for Boston Marathon. Um, so that's my very early morning time in terms of distraction. Um, I have uh, my wife and I have 14 grandkids of various ages from 
I get this right, 10 to 24 years old. So that is a major focus of ours. We sometimes travel with, we'll, we'll take our older ones on a trip somewhere. Um, when I'm in Canada, depending on what city, city I'm in, uh, my grandsons are all, you know, on various teams, hockey or volleyball, etc. So uh, we go to the gym together. Uh, that's, that's a lot of fun. Um, my wife and I do like to travel when we have the time. So I'd say between, you know, um, sports for myself, sports with my grandkids, and traveling with my wife, that pretty well takes up time when I'm not sitting at a desk or working on a project. Yeah. Um, and where are you living in the city? Are you living at DeVos? Right at DeVos Hall. We are the sole occupants. <laughs> I feel like I'm the caretaker there, but it's 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 great. It's a very secure facility. Uh, our friends say, "Oh, it must be hard to find um, accommodation in New York City." I say, "No, it's great. I've got a five-story building. I'm staying in all myself." <laughs> so for anyway, we're there for now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where is your favorite place in the city to go so far? Um, that's a great question. I mean, I I love being right here. I love the, the sort of the. the um, the whole Wall Street vibe um, because I used to come down here as a finance minister uh, to sell government bonds to traders on Wall Street you know so uh, I personally like this area a lot but every area of New York City is an area of intrigue for us mm -hmm. um, I mean I love to sit here by the water and have a picnic and look out at the Statue of Liberty and be reminded that there's no country in the world ever, ever in history that has been as inviting to immigrants as the United States, right? I mean, France built that big statue and sent it over here because they knew people coming here, that'd be a great sign of hope. So to me, just looking at that, and then when I'm sitting there, I'm also close to, um, you know, the 9-11 Memorial Center. Um, I came here right at, uh, about a week after that uh, awful attack. I came here with our Prime Minister to show support for the United States, and the Mayor at the time, Mayor Giuliani, toured us, took us right down into that hole, um, which was like being in the closest thing I could ever compare to being in hell itself. It was still burning, it was still smoking. Mm -hmm. um, Firefighters were still pulling their comrades out of the ashes and walking through the ashes of that, you know, so it was just so overwhelming. And then visiting uh, right after that with Canadian uh, men and women who had spouses who were working also, and a lot of Canadians died, you know. Um, so to have a spouse let me hear on her cell phone um, uh, 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 the message she recorded from her husband who was saying goodbye on the 100th floor, knowing you'd never see her again. Like, you know, these are um, powerful memories that are rooted here in New York. So those will always be riveting times. Um, when my wife and I first got married, we, um, we uh, ran um, an organization in, in, in Canada um, called Teen Challenge, which you may be familiar with. It started here in New York in the 60s. Uh, with David Wilkerson, the cross and the switchblade. My generation knows a lot more about that. 
um, so that was that was rooted in New York City. So first time we came to New York City, yeah, we wanted to see all the sites, but I wanted to go to um, um, Times Square Church because that was originally one of the church that was founded after that work on the streets, you know, with uh, gangs and drug addicts and things like that. So because that Teen Challenge connection, uh, New York City's always been special to us. And then my father's side of the family, going way back a couple hundred years, were, were the U.S. Um, they were among the first colonists. They were among those who, um, you know, Declaration of Independence, rebelled against the king, got tired of paying high taxes. Um, but my mother's side of the family was that were, they moved north out of the United States, or what was becoming the United States, you know, called the United Empire Loyalists. They were the ones who wanted to remain faithful to the crown. They liked paying big taxes and being bossed around. Um, so I've got kind of that dual history that comes from here. So like the queen dying yesterday, that's very impactful for me, for, for us as as Canadians, and yet my father's side of the family, um, you know, rebelled against the crown. So I've got some really, um, I think, um, for me, I'm thankful for some important roots that, for me, that come from the United States. Yeah, for sure. Um, we have one more question, and this one is just something that we've heard a lot of people ask around campus. Mm. Um, what made President Gibson leave so suddenly, and where is he now, and had, mm. when is that search, or well, I guess it's happening now, the search for a new president? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, first of all, it wasn't sudden, it was something that had been talked about for quite a while um, between President Gibson and the board. When you look at the history of Kings, when it, since it's reopened again in 19, you know, officially got going about 98, 99, uh, the average term for a president, you average them out of six or so presidents, it's about five years. So he was a little longer than average. And um, we just can, you know, even Tim and I talk, we compare it to, um, because of course he comes bringing a proud military background. Um, when there's a, a different campaign, you often bring in a different general. It's just how, you know, just, just, the nature of it, and you'll see uh, the search committee is working on um, what we're looking for in terms of a new president. So obviously, Christian, obviously significant academic uh, qualifications, and um, some experience with this new hybrid that's developing in education internationally. Some experience with uh, with an on-ground program, which is will always be the flagship but how do you work with um, online um, experience in a vastly and rapidly changing financial world. So those are some of the attributes uh, we'll be looking for. So President Gibson did a great job, um, great five years, and a different campaign um, opens up the opportunity for a different general. Perfect. Well, thank you for taking the time. We really appreciate yeah, thank this. Thank you. Thanks for yours. Good question. Good question.